You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And we're live. This is The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Steve. I'm Sean Davis. And our guest couldn't be with us tonight. Tis the season for sickness. Um, I'm I'm actually uh, actually clearing up thanks to... You're suggesting for the neti pot and that uh, that tea, man. I'm telling Robus. you, that that, ro- that robust that uh, that with the neti the neti pot was disgusting, right? Yeah. I was just standing over the sink and I, like a child, and I got water pouring. But it, it it did some magic, and then I drank this robust right after. And there's magic in it, like it like it says on the box. Like I thought it was false advertising, but it says uh some so, something to the effect of magic or. Whatever it is, it's some African herb, and everyone in the East uh, drinks that. My martial arts instructor was the one. Like I had a cold, and he's like, "Get the robust tea," and I was like, "Robust? Like how do we spell this?" And like I got it wrong a few times, and then finally I saw it and I grabbed it, and like literally after the first cup, like. Dude, it, breathe, it, you know? It, it, it was instant. Like, it was I, instant, I, yeah. I, I, felt, I felt different, and so I, I, I'll i be drinking more of it tonight, but yeah, I guess we're plugging that today, too, Robust yeah. Tea. But, uh, well, I'm definitely going to try it, because whatever the hell you guys got, I got it now. <laughs> I'm telling I woke you, so. up yesterday with a sore throat and drainage and all that. It sucks. It's at Whole Foods. That's that's where yeah. that's where Sean told me to get it. I couldn't find it anywhere else. But anyway, so today we're, we're talking about uh, instant gratification. And the human, not so much instant gratification because instant gratification feels good. We can we can all admit that we all like to be gratified. It's it's how does the how does instant gratification as a perpetual goal as as what we strive for on the on a daily basis how or does that perpetuate suffering? I, I believe my opinion and my experience is that. The need to always be instantly gratified does perpetuate suffering because it's just not possible. We've talked we talked about this a lot in the last episode. You're gonna experience loss. You're gonna experience pain. You don't have to suffer through that, but life is gonna throw curveballs at you that you just can't control. So this goes along with attachment. If you're attached to the idea that you can always achieve instant gratification. Which is a which is a heavy concept in addiction, right? The addictive mind wants to be gratified instantly by whatever means necessary, and, and the addictive mind will find a way to do that through whatever the compulsion, yeah, you're or a, substance. You're is. a dopamine machine, right? And, and once you get that hit, like you're always going to want it, and then it's gone, it, right? And then you have to keep fighting. So, so the the mis the the misguided perception that you can always feel that good, um, it it. it it causes suffering because you're always going to seek it and it's just not there for you all the time. So that's drug my opinion. Users, my ex- drug users. Well, they call it chasing the dragon, right? Tra- chasing the, the dragon. The first you, high is good. The second one's not so good. And you, you just keep trying to get back to, to get that back to over it. and over and over. Because the reality is it felt good, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it did something to you. It released that dopamine and you got to feel that. And why would you not want to feel that way all the time? I know I'd like to, but it, it's just not, it's, it's not reality. Right. It's not it's not we we you know, as, as much as we we want, should want to feel instantly gratified, um, we have to, in my opinion, right, this is just my opinion, my experience. We have to learn to appreciate the journey towards that. 
you know, because if we can appreciate what it takes to get to those those peak experiences, then you don't need it instantly. You can wait. You can you can hold off. Easier said than done. I know I, I was a slave to was my need for instant gratification that. my entire life. Right here. Right. It's it's so easier said than done. It, and it doesn't help that the corporations and uh, well, let's just stick with corporations. They're there doing this to us on purpose. Like um, your your place that you go betting, the casino, right? Mm-hmm. That's a gratification place because hundreds of psychiatrists got together. And looked into Pavlov and all those kind of oh, things yeah. and how to hit that dopamine trigger for you. And every single thing that we're touching right now, Facebook, uh, phones in general, you know, social media, those are all like. geared. Let me get that like. Let me, you yeah. know, it, it, oh, feel good. Look how many people like my post. That was amazing. Ooh. And on the flip side, when it doesn't happen, oh, what did I do wrong? Oh, I'm going to have to get on here and make more posts. Yeah, it's, it's, so yes, in my opinion. And I, I think I think you agree, and Shauna. Yeah, you know the guest. You know, um, he's not here, but the idea that he brought up was that people, over time, you know, either through the industrial consumer age, have been able to get things like quicker and quicker. And he he used this example where like he was chopping wood. You know, he got like 14 acres and everything, and he was back there chopping wood for the fireplace. And he felt gratified after he got done doing it and a sense of accomplishment Mm. just for having firewood. And, you know, a lot of the things that a long time ago people used to do, whether it's like farming or hunting for their food, and they had a sense of accomplishment by doing these things over time in the industrialized process, like things became quicker. McDonald's came around like fast food is another form of instant gratification. Why wait till I get home and cook my own meal? I don't have time for all that. I need it now. I need it now. I need it now because we live in a society and a time where, you know, there's like people, people's, thinking is that I don't have enough time, you know? And that's a huge reason that a lot of us are affected by anxiety, I right. believe. Well, right. and why should I have to wait? You know, and it, this is a, and again, psychologists and corporations have gotten gathered together over time. And this is a human thing, right? We were constantly looking for the least path of resistance. And we do want things now. When we're a child, we cry, we want our bottle, we want it now, right? We don't think about it, but we are programmed that way to want things now. So, so it's not an unnatural aspect of, of our being, right? But, but the powers that be do play on the fact that they know we want things now. And, and essentially, if, if we haven't been raised under, you know, under organized attachment with our caregivers, well, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not programmed to delay gratification, they did the the marshmallow test, which I, I it was a real interesting test, and they did it in, in multiple ways too, with pretzel sticks and whatever. But the they got the gist of it is they they took this control group of kids, and they put a marshmallow in front of each one of them, and they said, "You can go ahead and eat that marshmallow now, but if you wait fifteen minutes, you'll get another one. You'll double what's in front of you." So. 
the majority of the kids were able to wait. Some by distracting themselves, they would look around, they would fidget, they would do these different things to try to take their mind off the fact that they really wanted to eat that marshmallow. And then there, there was a, I don't know if it was 40% of the group, they just couldn't wait. No, that marshmallow is there right now. I'm eating that shit right now. Kid didn't say that, but, but they ate it. So they followed these kids through, throughout their entire lives. And the, lo and behold, the kids that could not delay, uh, delay their gratification, they had problems with addiction. They weren't able to make competent, uh, grounded decisions because they were, they were unable to delay their gratification. So that, that they were attached to having things now. And because of that, they were led down a path of, of chasing the dragon. It's a, it's a learned behavior, uh, delayed gratification. Like if you're brought up as a single child and your mother is just there and gives you everything that you want every second of your life. Then by the time you're five or six, you're not going to be able that's to delay where it comes that back gratification. To the yeah, that's where it comes. And, and right. if you're, yeah, if you you got a single mom who's not there and you got the TV as a babysitter, you know Maybe what I mean, it's easier, or, yeah. or whatever, or or you don't get you, your dad works all the time and when he comes home he just wants to be left alone. So you're you're left seeking out these other avenues of of dopamine. How do you how do I feed the dopamine? Right. Um, it's it's uh. But the thing is, the corporations play on it. They know it. This right here is designed to keep us engaged. I remember as a kid, I we used to have to wait for Saturday cartoons, and it was such a big deal, like to you know, or wrestling on on the weekend. And I got to stay up late to watch wrestling. I had to wait. I remember as a kid, though, there was this one time where uh, we had just gotten a color TV. You know, we, we we didn't have a lot of money, but I remember when we first got a color TV, and it was a Saturday. And Godzilla was on one of those old Godzilla movies. Gojira. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, but I I didn't want to I didn't want to leave because you know because I I was going to miss this, and uh, my we had to. I can't remember what my mom had to do, but she had to do something. So Saturday got disrupted. So I remember pulling the plug out of the TV because in my mind, if I pull the plug, then it'll still be there when I get back. So. Nobody taught me that, and yeah. you know, my mom laughed. She said, that's not how it works, and I thought for sure when I got home it was still going to be on. Right. And the, the point of that is is that that, that was a natural thing. I wanted, I didn't want to have to to be pulled away from this. I wanted it to be there when I got back. So that drive is what led to things like the VCR and DVDs and streaming. And DVR. now it's crazy. Kids don't have to wait for shit. No. You Type it in. It's Again, there. instant gratification. 100%. I want to watch every episode of the Thundercats right now. Right Get now. on Netflix and boom, it's there. <laughs> so they have – there's probably many kids out there right now that have no concept of waiting to watch something unless they're into – you know the boxing sporting events that are literally timed events. Even perhaps. those you get even those if you miss them you can come you back. You can still come back. Stevie yeah. So now change it to like <coughs> goals, careers, life paths. Um you know when you're when you're working towards a goal or a business, you just start a business and stuff and it doesn't pop off right away. The lack of maybe expectation mm. could affect the gratification. You know, you know how many people are out there like just trying, they're, they're trying to find their niche or do something original 
and they're they're putting everything in motion and they're not getting success right away and then you get caught up in this struggle and you feel like you know like when is it going to happen the world's for me? against me yeah like yeah. when is it going to happen for me how is it going to happen why isn't it happening you know and then we find excuses of why it's not happening you know because you're not getting that gratification i can actually speak to that because when uh i was brought up as an only child and my mom and dad were great i got everything that i wanted as fast as could be expected right so i grew up with no patience and my best friend my wife people that know me really well will say that i have absolutely no patience waiting for things that i want so <clears throat> what that's what that's done to me is made me search for ways around it to accept the fact that things are going to take a long time but it also has made me very anxious and uh i hate waiting for things and i still do that I still hate waiting for things. I want things to happen now. Yeah. I, if I'm interested in it, I want it now. But I think we'll get to this in a few minutes. The way around that is not just drugs or, or alcohol or anything like that. There's actually changes that you have to make to yourself right. to undo that good raising, actually. Well, it, it, it is it, it is because there's nothing malicious in there, right? right. And, and my mom – isn't I can go back and say a lot of things about the way that I was raised, but there was no male intent. And there's mistakes that I've made as a parent, and there's no male intent there. But are there some some ways that I am that that have trickled down to the kids that they're going to have to battle with and later in life? Mm -hmm. not, yes, not because I was malicious. You know, I love my kids more than anything, but I don't always get it right. And our parents were they were in a much different era. Right. And based right. on how they were raised, you know, my, I know my mom uh, came from, you know, not, not the greatest situation, um, broken home. And, and my dad was abused really, really bad. They did the best they could with what they had. But I, I you know, if I were a crybaby, I could go back and point the finger and say, well, this is wrong and this is wrong. And I'm like this because of that. Well, no, it's just it's just how it is. That doesn't. So help. I, don't, I don't think that. No, your parents didn't raise you wrong it's just it's not how they were and and it, it really is out of love right you think you're doing this out of love i want to give my kid what they want right now because well it feels good to me also and that's kind of codependence you know which which is unless you know what that is you don't know that you have to work through it but because when i do this for my kid it makes me feel good and there's this exchange of dopamine right, you know what i mean right. it's it's an, an instant gratification between the two and it's a cycle do yeah you, do you practice patience <clears throat> with your kids yeah and it's and it's not always easy but i i'm so much better at it they they have made me better at it because they really test your patience so so they've made me better I, but i'm still i still fail miserably but I, 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 and it is a learned behavior, I, you know, in through mindfulness, only through mindfulness, I'm able to catch it and pull myself away from the, 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 the reactive tendencies, more so the responsive. And that, that is unconditional love. But I, I, I had to be damaged in a way that made me evaluate myself to the point to where I, I, I want to be better at those things. But I could, you know, I, I can still get caught up in the day and, and, uh, and let the kids guide me down a path, and and then I have to come back and say, "Hey, I shouldn't have reacted like that." So sometimes I don't practice patience in the moment, but I'm pretty good at coming back after the fact and saying, "You know, guys, I that that's not the way we're supposed to handle things. Um, I, I I shouldn't have raised my voice there. I could have talked to you differently." So, so I do, 
but I'm not perfect at it. You know, it's it's I'm still very driven subconsciously by egocentric desire and and like you, I want things right now. And unless I and unless I'm mindful about the fact, well, that's not just how life is. You've talked about goals, right? Yeah. The, so an attachment to a goal is a dangerous thing because a goal should only be a goal is one thing, and it, it, it if a goal is viewed correctly, and I don't want to say correctly because everyone has their own perception, but healthily, is it, a goal is a unit of measurement, right? You can't be attached to the outcome of that goal because. It may happen, it may not. But what a goal does for you, if you're doing it healthily, is it allows you to measure where you are in relation to achieving that goal. So you can go back and you can say, well, I'm still far off, so I need to adjust this, this, and this. Or I'm getting closer to my goal, so I must be doing something right. So it, it, all it is is a method of evaluation. Now people will take, yeah, right. People will take a goal and take it at face value. I need I need to make this amount of money by the time I'm 25 and they get attached to that and they don't use it as a unit of measurement. It's just a thing they need to achieve and then they either do or they don't and because they're attached to that outcome. So for me, I needed to go to Hollywood. I needed to be in movies. I, need, I achieved that. Then I felt empty because there was nothing beyond that. It wasn't a unit of measurement. It's this will make me happy. Once this happens, then I don't have to worry about anything else. You know, were you it's instantly a, gratified? In a lot of ways, in a lot of you know, ways. When you got to Hollywood, like yeah. did it happen for you quickly? Then I I remember the first time I got recognized when I did nine hundred two and it was it was a tiny feature, small one of the smallest things I ever did. But everybody watched it, and I remember my answering machine because we still had those and blowing up, and I, and I remember hanging out on set with uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen and and uh, who else was Tori Spelling? That's a, whatever. Um, Brian Austin Green. Who else were in the scenes? I, I can't remember Noah, the guy who played Noah, but but I remember being there in that environment, and yes, that that was a that was adrenaline like I've never felt. But it went away, right? I went home, and then I didn't work again for six months, and then and then I felt myself feeling empty because, well, why am I not doing this every day? You know what I mean? And then in the six months, were you grinding, or were you just? I was grinding. Having faith that everything would work out or just grinding? I didn't know what faith was. I just had to grind more. Yeah. And something's wrong with me because I'm not working the very next and day. And Vinny was way faster than he is right now. Like he was like, just, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I was remember that about you. It was a sickness. It, it was a sickness. Okay. It, it really was. All right. All right. I'm, I'm here to see you guys. Hurry up. Let's hug. Let's say hello. All right. I got to go do this and meet this person. All right. Chop, 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 chop. It was bad. It was really bad. And that still lives in me. Right. It, it's not, it doesn't drive me anymore. Not in the way that it used to. It can still manifest, but, but it's still very much a part of my subconscious programming oh, that, that I have to work. <clears throat> like you said, you gotta, you gotta put in the work to, to offset this because our, the, the go-to mechanism, it's, it's, uh, it's very automated. So we have a comment on Facebook. Uh, Norman Etten said last week I was getting coffee and it's Keurig machine takes 15 seconds and he found himself yelling, come on, hurry up, hurry up, come on. <laughs> I can agree with the sentiment. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. about little things like that. And it'll drive you crazy if you don't identify that that happens to you and take a step back and say, all right, it's cool. I don't have to have my Keurig coffee right away. I can wait the 15 Be patient, seconds. Norm. <laughs> Be patient. Hang you know, in there, bud. It's funny because I told Norm the subject that we were talking about on sunday and he and i told him that it's uh what we have lost yeah 
you know, and, uh, you know, he gave me a big hug and was like, but just always remember what we've gained. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I didn't really look at it like that. And it was interesting. And it's, it's interesting because I told you guys, you know, my boy, uh, committed suicide last night and, uh, he, um, probably the best personal trainer, nutrition, dietitian in the country, you know, um, just a lot of gifts. And he always struggled trying to put everything together. He was always trying to match something. And it was all, it was all almost like he was stuck in the material world, mm -hmm. trying to achieve oh, yeah. goals of the material world. And, and I was always like, dude, just like, it's going to happen for you. Like, there's no way that it can't happen for you. Trust me, you know, he, he came up with this one idea like a year ago, and I don't know why he never followed through with it. It was kind of corny, but he was, he called it cooking in Calvin's and he was going to do a cooking show in Calvin Klein underwear. I mean, he was just jacked, you know, but he was like, people watch that yeah, shit. Yeah. But he was like a real a niche like, market. Like he's yeah. a, he was like a chef without actually going to chef school. And he would do these meal prep things. I'm like, dude, you got to like launch that, man. That was great. I'm like, dude, like that's genius for like people who are doing meal prep, who are in the fitness and all that stuff. And, you know, it was, he was always like, like it wasn't happening fast enough. And, you know, I would always be like, you know, don't, like, the miracle will happen. Yeah. You know, but the, the gratification wasn't coming fast enough. And when you say the miracle, when you told me the miracle will happen, be patient, fuck you. Back in the day, I don't want to hear that shit. I got to have it now because I lived in a, a, a place of lack and limitation. If I didn't get it now, then it would never come because somebody else would grab I'd it. I'd always ask you, when is the miracle going to happen? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, fuck you. I'd be like, well, how long do I got to wait for this miracle? You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, that, you know, give me a time date. You know, a week or two or a month. You know, let me know what, what I'm we, working with. What are we here. talking about here? You know, I, if you gave me a date, I could have enough faith to the date. To the date, you know. But if I don't have a date, and then if it doesn't I, happen, then, yeah, then something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and and then it would completely fuck my thinking, and then I would be off and like, you know, then I'd just say fuck it, you know. And then once you got the 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 mantra, of, you know, fuck it, like. It, it's hard. It's, That's you, you got to fucking switch. You, you got to rewire that. I mean, it, it's <laughs> my it's, fuck it button. Yeah, it's the yeah. addict alcoholic theme song. But like, even non-addict alcoholics have, have have that theme song. All or nothing. Yeah, all or nothing thinking, man. It was for me all or nothing. The littlest thing could set me off in, into this deep, deep trauma that made me want to disappear off the face of the planet. The smallest thing just—it it didn't matter what. I didn't get an A on that test. And now I say, like, not not consciously, but at my core, I'm inadequate. I'm no good as a human being. I'm yeah. a piece of shit. I'm always going to be a pole. piece of shit. Gotcha, like, it was, you know, and it, it didn't take alcohol or drugs to do that. No. It just took that that little bit of stimulus and my inability to recognize when that was happening. To, to, I call it standing on the top of a 10-story burning building. So if a building is going to get flamed up to the 10th floor, there's a progression to that. Me, I couldn't recognize the progression because we talked about thre high threshold for pains, right? And I had a very high threshold for pain. So I, so I was just so busy pushing through everything, pushing through, pushing through, push, put, I, I, I couldn't see outside of here. So we'd get, I didn't even know I was in pain or suffering. 
And then the, the fire would become recognizable once I was on the 10th floor and I had – there was four things I could do, fight, flight, freeze or collapse. You know, And this is, this is the core of severe post-traumatic stress disorder. It's all or nothing. Typically what I would do is I would jump off that building <clears> – <throat> And let the chips fall where they may. And that might be a two-week alcoholic bender where I break my phone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Fuck the world. Let me play with God and see if – can you think you can kill me, motherfucker? Like that that kind yeah, of mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like really, really fucking – and then I would just snap out of it. For some reason, I would just be done. I would, I would, something would click back in my brain. I would know that I'm not in danger and and I would go back into normal life. And then I would get into the the, the ego would kick back in. You're good. You don't need help. You don't need to talk about this to anybody. And then I couldn't recognize the fire building up. What I got good at, and as I be, learned to delay gratification and I stopped being attached to these goals and these outcomes, and what I what I started to get good at through mindfulness is, well, now I can re- I might not recognize the fire on the first floor, but I might see it on the third floor. And if I see it on the on the third floor, I can look for the fire escape. Yeah. Right? I don't have to jump now. And and that's the hard part is. You know, if you're constantly chasing the dragon, if you're constantly doing that, if you're constantly seeking that dopamine fixed, you won't recognize the fire. You're going to get caught on that 10th floor and you're going to be left with the choice of fight, flight, freeze or collapse. It's all or nothing at that point. It doesn't matter what little thing it was that sparked that. But if you don't recognize it, if you don't work to be able to recognize that, those are your choices. You know, and people wonder why we keep coming back into the same patterns. Why me? Why me? Why me? Well, you haven't worked to fix you yet. It, there's there's some subconscious shit there that's not your fault. And your your drive is not your fault. The drive towards instant gratification is not your fault. That's why this exists the way that it does because it's such a natural human thing to you – know, like I said, when you're it's a baby – It's also very American. I think it's the, – The stuff that we go through – Compared to some other well, countries, this is, very is sold American. in America, right? Yeah. Like this, this it, the technological revolution happened here, and then <clears throat> the internet happened here, and and where we are the kings of capitalism, it's consumerism. So this is where it's been peddled the hardest. Now, over in India, you're you're taught not to worry about these things so much, right? So kids are a little bit different, but. We've infested most of the world with with our <laughs> capitalistic ways. Well, as soon as you come out of the womb, you know. Yeah, I mean, we the have mobile, another comment when you guys are ready. Just, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like everything, like oh, uh, not the parent doesn't have to push you. Get this thing that slides back and forth, and now you're you're fixed on <laughs> that shit. Like it, it constantly put the TV in front of you. Constant, constant, constant distraction from just being a fucking human. You know. Because they want your money. They want your money. And look, and that's a natural thing too. I want to be successful. I want to make money. I know this will sell because of this, this, and this. It's pretty devious when you get a bunch of fucking psychologists together and you work out the ways in a casino to where you're going to keep that Pavlonian response going and you don't care what the outcome is to the – like McDonald's. I don't know if you ever saw that Michael Keaton movie about the the start of McDonald's, but that was that was, and you can trace almost the the start of most heart disease, mental disease is when they started to mass produce food, and it was McDonald's that started that, and they knew the shit that was going into the food, and the guy who stole the McDonald's concept from the brothers, he he forced him out based on the because they didn't want this shit in the food. Raymond yeah. Kroc. I can't. Yeah, yeah, and it just, so that was a pretty good movie. I didn't know all that, but that that was the start. 
of that whole transition, that that whole right now, I need it right now. And McDonald's was the first to really push it with a, a mass agenda. I, you know, you can. I mean, you have mass consumerism, and you have mass suppression. You know the the population is suppressed with all the chemicals in the food and in the water that it's easy mm-hmm. to control a population like that. Yeah, because it takes away your the, the space the space Kill that we your have. ambition. Well, between stimulus and response, and Victor Frankl talks talks about this. There's a very limited space. That space shrinks with these chemicals. That space shrinks with trauma. Right. So we become reactionary rather than responsive. When that space is gone, and those chemicals. I don't know if there was a mass conspiracy to do that. Maybe there was. But what I what I do know is what you said is accurate with, with the fluoride that's in the water, with the preservatives that's in the food. I think that was more of we can save our shelf life. That translates to more dollars. But there's a certain point where you knew what the fuck you were doing and you continued doing it for profit. Was it a mass conspiracy to keep us stupid? I don't know. I look at it as like they might their intentions may not have been to start out that way, but then once they started to get the results, and the results probably probably fueled the perpetuation yeah. of what they were doing. So I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but oh. look, if, if you got to get on board, brother. Yeah, nah, I mean, <laughs> but you, you know, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade, right? I mean, maybe. <clears throat> Maybe there there is an Illuminati style group. I mean, you you read some of the shit that the Rockefellers talk about, and, and there, there's definitely there an agenda there, right? You know, the, the, oh, they they admit the, the IMF, it. and there's you know there's there was especially when it came to big pharma. Was that one of the Bilderbergers? Like, they have a site where they say, yeah, we we meet together with the richest people on earth, and we are trying to push society this way. They admit it outright. See, and then, and I'm not that saying that's the a, Illuminati or anything. It's just the wealthy with nothing else to do. Right. Everybody wants to call something something, right? But if they, I, th- I think it is a natural progression towards the rich and powerful. You can help me achieve this. And I, I don't even know if there's male intent, but there may be. You know what I mean? There could be male intent or it could just be greed. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't really try to delve too much into that. I just know it exists. I have a comment. Uh, Wayne Castle says, happy birthday to Vince. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate that. Happy birthday, Vince, also from me. Thank you. Uh, he says, when you have goals and a work a lifetime to get where you want to be or feel like you're still not where you want to be, we all have a sense of urgency. I'm results-driven and in a hurry to get where I want to be. Keep grinding. Never give up. Time is precious. We only have what we have. Be grateful, and you will find what you look for. I mean, shit, there was a song about that, right? I'm in a hurry to get things done. Well, he said this. the key word, though, is is if if you can remain grateful in that grind, because a lot of people aren't grateful. Like you said, when yeah. it doesn't happen now, they lose their gratitude because it's, why the fuck isn't it now? But he said a key word, remain grateful. If you can stay grateful and say, okay, well, this is just part of the journey, yeah. and you can detach from the fact that it's, it isn't happening right now, you can grind and you can experience delays and quote unquote failures, which are really just lessons, but you can look at them as lessons rather than failures and you don't have to suffer, you know, you, because you're not attached to it being right now. The whole grind thing is a Michigan thing. Thanks for the comment, by the way. You know, it's more yeah, of like a you, Midwest uh, <clears throat> blue collar work ethic. Type yeah. Thing. Like, you know, when you go out West, the idea of grinding, <laughs> they're laid back. As- it, it doesn't exist. Well, they do it in the South too, like the farmers and stuff. Yeah, you know, they I work mean, 
20 hour days. It's just, you know, it's just interesting how like when I went out West, people were more in tune with the spiritual side of things and like it'll happen when it happens. You know, and having you're talking Colorado out west, yeah. though. You're not yeah. talking L.A. out west. I'm not talking no, no, because no, no, that's because no. they were really. No, laid I lived back in Long Beach. Well, I lived in Long Beach. They was laid back too, but like, it's like, but they still wanted it now. Yeah, they like, just didn't want to work hard to get it now. Right. It was like self entitlement. Yeah, but even like the blue collar cats in Long Beach, like they'll work hard and they'll party hard. But the thing is, like, there was always I don't know the the idea of a collective is more. Um, West Coast, Western based than like out here. Every, it, there's so much individuality. Yeah. You're and, saying like, I they're got more a, communist over there? No, I mean that that we work together we, as a Communal. collective to to reach our goals. If we have things in common, like the three of us doing this as a collective, you know, and and moving it forward, and you know, getting the website and doing these things together. You know, a lot of people don't do that. It's like one for all, all for one. Well, New York is, and you can see the difference. They're polar opposites, right? Because New York is build now, build immediately, individualism. It's real Ayn Rand, the fountainhead, for those of you who are, who are familiar with that book. And it's it's no altruism. It's look at the accomplishment of man, right? Which is a beautiful thing. But it's it's... At all costs, it's real Donald Trump like to where I don't care how this affects humanity. Hum- my my personal achievement outweighs all of that. And where out west, it is more communal, right? And and it depends on where you are out west. But there, there's you know the hippie mentality, which can go too far left as well. But but there is something to, we we really are we really are biologically more attuned to the communal aspects of ourselves and and the the individualism that that was that was really bred by consumerism right so it's not natural and that's why we find ourselves having what people would call a midlife crisis it's really just a mental breakdown you know and we have these throughout our lives because something that <clears throat> we're doing in this individualism it really isn't in tune with our real nature and we talked about when we talked about compassion as being the 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 binding force of all that is right like gravity is a force compassion is the force that force that binds all things together and if you believe that which i do and i believe in the consciousness first um rather than material first i'm not a materialist um i believe everything is sprung forth from consciousness so if you believe that then you can see clearly how what sean's talking about that, that individualism that, that really does stem from the East Coast and from, you know, from London, right? From, from the UK. I, you know, this is where the King James Bible, the uh, version of the Bible was created to control the masses and, and it all kind of sprung forth from there into the new world. And, and then, uh, things got a little, a little more laxed out West because a lot of those people were pushed out there because they couldn't, they weren't part of that. So they, you know, they, be, they became the, uh, the Sooners. You know what I mean? And, and they're, you know, the whole grapes of wrath. And then, and then those people were broken down and poor and went out west looking for gold and it became new money. So it was, it wasn't so much blue blood. Um, right. but they were forced to work together. And this, it just, this is my idea of history and, and how that happened. But 
there is a distinct difference in in the geography of the way people are, and there is a difference in the South too. Like like Steve said, you know, there's a there's a difference for that farming mentality. Somebody who has to wait for harvest time. Yeah, you know what I mean. They gotta they so that, so it's different. It's a different way of thinking. But if you are if you if you were a proponent of the industrial revolution, now, now, now. If it's not working now, everyone let's wants something. them. We got to crank them out now. Yeah, now or we're gonna because it's lacking limitation. It's lacking limitation. If if we don't do it now, somebody else is gonna do it now. Then there's not I'm enough miss for my me. Opportunity, <clears throat> not enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the interesting thing about what you're talking about is, you know. We're sort of looking at this like this is a new thing, but you mentioned the Industrial Revolution. It turns out there was a philosopher named Rousseau uh, back in France in like the 1700s. Like I'm talking a long time ago. And he was talking about this exact same thing, mm -hmm. the gratification, instant gratification because of uh, the new machinery and you know the, the, the new farming technologies and everything. And he was very adamant that uh, he would look at – you know, what he called the noble savages, which was, you know, the uh, American Indians and stuff like that. And he would say, look how happy they are. You know, they don't have this big conglomerate corporation led world and they're just noble savages. They're very communal. nice and communal. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked at the rest of the world, uh, especially where he was in France, and he seen that people that held on to those fast, fast growth things were miserable. Western civilization, the conquerors. Yeah. Instant gratification. Yeah. Instant gratification. He uh, Rousseau said that it was bad uh, 300, 400 years ago. Well, and it, it's only gotten faster and easier to get instant gratification. Well, and look what it's done, honestly. So we talk about the new world. Pete, we stole this country. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, and I don't think my ancestor didn't. I'm Sicilian, you know, and German. So, you know, I, I, I had no part in that. Maybe my consciousness did somewhere down the line, but, um, but look what that, that, that state of lack and limitation, which leads to the need for instant gratification. Look what that, the atrocities that that can lead to. You see it in the Holocaust with a guy like Hitler who was marginalized. Lack of, lack of compassion. La well, lack of compassion and lack for self too, because nobody cared for him, right? So how do I fill this void in me? Well, power and if somebody has to be the enemy somebody has to be if i'm if i'm feeling lack and limitation there's somebody else out there that can get that there's got to be a reason for that so let me so let me point the finger there and then and then because there's dopamine and aggression right there, there there's dopamine there and that's why people do it on you see it in american politics now the the real the real far left and the real far right they're both assholes you know they're they're both Jordan Peterson said it best. I went to one of his lectures not that long ago in San Diego, and uh, and he said, "Look, it's easy to hide behind the guise of altruism, right? Behind the guise of virtue, you you can say that yes, it's it's you, gay people should be able to get married, and people should be able to love the the way they want to. You can also say that if you don't believe that, you're a fucking asshole, and I deserve to." marginalize and abuse you and jordan peterson it's called virtue signaling right and it, it, it but it happens on both sides right and, it, it, and it, it's a lot easier to stand behind that when there's there is a moral high ground to stand behind but he said and this really resonated with me you need to take a real hard look at yourself and maybe maybe in the aggression that you feel 
because of the moral high ground you believe you're standing on. Maybe the aggression you feel is just because you're an asshole that likes to punch people, right? You got to think about that, you know, and, and, and what is that? That's instant gratification. There's dopamine. You don't think the way that I do. I have moral high ground here. I have the right to to abuse you and attack you in the same way that I say you don't have the the right to abuse and attack these Who's other people. Who's the judge of the moral high ground, though? That's the, <laughs> it, it's you, it's the I'll individual. I'll be right back. Uh, our listeners are saying the video is out, so I'm going to go grab one of them. Oh, that's right. not good. Sound is good, but video Okay. Steve, Steve's a, a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was, you know, when I was thinking today, you know, uh, you know, I was talking to my boy that passed away um, yesterday, and um, you know, he was like, "I don't got anywhere to go for Christmas and all this kind of shit." I'm like, "Dude, we're gonna go to my mom's." I'm like, "We're gonna have prime rib dinner. It's all gonna be good." And the thing is, what he didn't understand is that with what he was trying to do with his career and where he wanted to go, like relationships were all based on what can you do for me, you know? And it was always like, like he never could see like, like the brotherhood I had for him. I didn't, I didn't need anything. Right. You know, I'm just a support. Right. I'm just here to guide you along the way. But I was looking at it today you know, and I was like, and I, I told one of my friends this, I was like, most relationships in like this dimension are relationships based on what I can get from that person. From you, yeah. you know, there's not a real genuine like, Benny, you need me to go get that neti pot for you and the robust tea, I'll bring it to the house. Right. Like. You're like, no, man, I'm good. I, I got it. But like, I would have no problem doing that. You know, I have no problem for, for nothing in return. For, for nothing in return. Right. I don't seek anything but your betterment. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's somewhat rare, right? Because, and, and again, it's not everyone's fault because we are raised in consumerism and lack and limitation. And there's, there's an argument against altruism in, an, in its entirety. What you just said, like you, you go over Vinny's house and you bring him some stuff to help him out with his cold. Right. And you say, you just did that out of the goodness of your heart. But the truth is, when you leave, you probably feel good. Like, oh, yeah, all right, I did a good thing for my buddy. I feel really good about that to where you'll mention it to somebody else. Well, that's codependence. More, that's more not, like – But that's, that's, also, that's also dopamine, right? It makes you feel good to help other my people. Mind so it's really like, hard to be truly altruistic. It's an old argument. My too. mind would be like more like, man, I hope that shit works for him. Hope it clears up tonight. Right, and and you that know. is altruism. That's true altruism, and I know that argument. And Ain Rand would be one, you know, that, that would that would say that. Well, no, it's you. You jumped. You jumped in front of the car to save that kid, not because you were acting selflessly, but because you would just feel horrible. If you, and that's not true. It, it can't be true. But I know for me, like if if I saw somebody in danger. It's just in my nature to do something about it and and it, even to the point where I could die and nobody can pat me on the back for that. It's, it's, there, there's, I, I'm in touch with compassion like that. I wasn't always. You know, in fact, I, I might have even been a little bit of, a little bit of a sociopath before the age of 15 and I learned what that was. 
didn't know any better. But um, but I, I disagree. I do believe that there's altruism. But I do believe – I can't agree that it's rare. I, I, I think most people that talk about paying it forward would like something in return, right? You really – because we're programmed that way. I really had to work to to not want anything back and that's what service is, right? Yeah. In recovery and anything else, it's – you can't just service in general. You can even take it out of the recovery yeah, context. Just, you know, just you know, go feed that person, not because it feels good, but because you remember what the the true definition of compassion is. It's sitting and suffering with another person, right? So compassionately, I see you out there struggling. I don't know what you're going to use this money for, and I don't give a shit. But it's not in me to to not sit in that space with you once I've recognized you there. But there was a time in my life where I, I got dopamine from it. It's not there anymore, but I had to work hard to get to the place to where I didn't want something in return because because I wasn't programmed to be altruistic. I just thought it was the right the cool the right thing to do. But through those right actions, I started to not expect things in return, like Sean offering to bring that shit over. And I and I and I knew that you didn't want anything returned. There's nothing to gain there, right? No, you you've been sick for a while. Yeah, I'm like, we need to put a fucking end to this bullshit. <laughs> you know, like you've been sick a little too long. But you you're also spiritually evolved. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so to Steve's point, it, it's you know, see if, if I if I'm doing gobble gobble give, I want to post. On social media because I know that there's a large group of people that I grew up with that don't think that way. But if you expose them to the fact that those things exist, well, they might go see what it feels like and then maybe it's dopamine at first and then eventually it's like, well, I just – this this is the right thing to do, right? And then you can you can also on the flip side, you can post that I'm doing these great things yeah. because you want pats on the back. Right. Yeah, humble you know, bragging. You want, you it want happens bragging. a lot. Like a lot of the, cor- the corporations that, that you know advertise all the good that they do. And they do Horseshit. it at the year end when they need a tax write-off, and they just happen to give exactly the amount that they need a tax write-off right, for. Right. Like, yeah, we totally bought turkeys for all these people. Isn't it amazing? We did this great thing. But it was literally for that See, not, that help for themselves. And I, I think, I think you know, I think that's a, I don't, I think that's a great thing to play on too. Yeah, corporations are greed-driven. How do we get some of their money? Into the mouths of the hungry, you know what I mean. So I, so I, I have no problem with playing on that because that's what they are. They're they're for profit, right? It's a profit so, machine. So if if we can give them, if we can incentivize their greed and do something good with it, I, I don't have a problem with it. But but we know it's bullshit, right? You know, but but it's not always. Some people, some people like a guy like Elon Musk. You know, he just wants to do good things for the most part. He's kind of an asshole, right? And from what I know from people that have worked with him, and I don't know him personally, but but he he's he's somebody that wants to change the world for the better. Is that altruism, or is it uh, is it that his his seek for gratification? I, I I don't know. I don't know. Altruism for me is it's hard to identify in people, but it's very easy to argue away for me because we are animals and we do what is best for ourselves. That's what we're programmed to do all the way down to our DNA and our, our reptile mind. And that's refutable too. Absolutely. But I think Darwin approach, I think any, anything can be refuted. Like if you say you're just doing this for one reason, if we dig far enough, I can 
always find another way to explain why you're doing it, even if you don't realize it yourself. How about well, I don't know how that your, fits per, into from your perception. So because it's only your it could perception. be instant. Yeah, absolutely. It could be instant gratification though of a type somehow, some way. No, you can always find a way that it would be, but it will always be from your perception. And for me, I for there was a long time where I didn't believe altruism existed because it didn't exist in me. So it just can't. So I, I, I and I don't know if you. I think I think a lot of addicts do this. We project, right? So well, if I'm doing, then everybody must be doing. And that's how you rationalize the things that you do because I do, so they must. I think this way, so they must. And that's why I couldn't find relation. The relationships always mirrored what was going on inside me. Romantic relationships and friend relationships were never really close. We were there, but it was kind of we needed things from each other and it was this cycle, right? And I would have argued against – and I did argue against altruism. I thought everything was selfishly motivated. I, I would have leaned more towards Darwinism um, than I do now. But I see life differently. So – and maybe that's just subjective. But to me that you know, in, in transcendental moments and peak experiences, I think I've been exposed to a truth that I can't deny because I, I really would like to deny it because to live that – to at least try to walk that spiritual high ground – it's it's in complete antithesis to what society wants us to do, and it's fucking hard. You know what I mean? It's hard and it's daily work. I don't want to work that hard. I just want to live. I, I want I want to be happy, right? I want I want instant gratification. I want to. I don't play video games now, but I, I just want to sit down and do that, and I want to binge watch Netflix, and I I just want to be happy, and I want a job that pays the bills enough, and I, I just want to be fucking happy. You know, I really don't want to work to raise my kids. I just want them to be happy too. I don't want to teach them the hard lessons. It's I'm different now, you know. So I I can I can argue. We've got five but, minutes, but again, it's it's all perspective. So oh, do we? We should have fifteen. Did the video ever come back up? Okay. No, sorry about that, guys. But you, you know, the audio. We'll uh, we'll post the audio and and we'll we'll, we'll keep it gangster. But I maybe you can see up. this. Maybe you can't. Um, we're in our last five minutes. But Sean brought his book in. I just I just bought mine as well. This is the Mastermind Journal. Um, for those of you who aren't, this, this is a Renaissance Unity thing. It spread far beyond Renaissance Unity. Yeah. But it started with Renaissance. It started with Church of Today, which turned into. Renaissance unit is a Jack Boland thing, and you know it ended up going and getting in the hands of Wayne Dyer and the rest of them, and that like the idea of mastermind journaling is pretty much gone all through. Like, what's the power? It's the power. It's based on the premise, and it's a Christ teaching. But it, you go to Buddha, you go to anybody else, and you talk about when you make an agreement with another person. Christ says, "Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am." So the the concept of the mastermind is that you get with a group of people and you mastermind basically. And the mastermind can be whatever. It can be God. It can be the universe. It can be this force greater than yourself that you know um, that you know it's it's bigger than you, right? And you sit with a group of of like minds who – maybe not even like minds but people that agree to hold – what you would like to achieve or or manifest goals healing you name it you can put it in the book and our job with each other is to hold each other in that that higher consciousness not to sit there and say well that's not possible or that is possible or to debate it or to offer guidance 
in that whatever it is you want to manifest. It's that I see that for you. I see that for you and I really hold hold you in the highest light. You leave the meeting. Um, supposed to do it weekly, but it can be however. And each of the members leave the meeting holding each of the other members in that high light. And it's all based on the, the power of thinking and the law of attraction. Um, Just a quick note. You get out what you put in. That's the name of the game. Not I've been a, doing this a long not time. Not a wishing well. It's not a wishing well. I've been doing this a long time. I started originally in uh, OC. I had a group, and then it just kind of disbanded. And I carried on for a year by myself, and then I put it down. And then I ended up uh, sponsoring this dude who ended up pretty much being one of my brothers. And he saw the Mastermind Journal from 2012 and my Jeep that I had at the time. And he was like, what's this? I'm like, oh, man, it's Mastermind Journal. And uh, it was actually like a year old. He was like, well, can I have it? Because we had just done 4T Prosperity. And uh, I was like, yeah, man. I was like, you're going to be off by one day, but fuck it, man. Go have at it. About four or five months later, he comes back to me. He's like, you know, you're supposed to be doing this with somebody. And <laughs> I was like, you want to, you know, get into the journaling? And, and we got into it and been journaling ever since. Me and him take breaks. Sometimes we do our journal on our own. We always meet up for the monthly and then, you know, periodically, sometimes we'll do it over the phone. It just, it, there's so many different ways you can do it. And, uh, but I will say one thing, it's a game changer. We'll be posting more information on, on the, the, uh, the page, the link where you can get it. It's a beautiful guidebook. Like Sean said, it's, it's, um, it, you, you get what you put into it. But you feel something different immediately. Like even if you don't believe fully in the concept that that we're two or more gathered in my name, there I am, or or manifestation. If you don't believe it, when you sit with people who reiterate your your deepest, uh, I don't want to call it desire, but whatever it is you want to manifest, they just they don't question it. They just look at you and say, "I, I see that for you," and you know that they mean it. It does something to you. It does something to the air in the room. I'd also like to point out that. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, friends and gatherings and stuff that they go to. Um, and you'll probably go to these gatherings and you'll say, Hey, Vinny, what are you up to? Hey, Sean, what are you up to? How do you feel today? Blah, blah, blah. But you never get past that sort of just talking about shit that happened during a week and, yeah. you know, just small talk, really yeah. small talk or medium talk, but you never get into the big talk. And I found that the people that don't sit down with a friend or a loved one and get into the big talk, like what you guys are describing, are usually miserable because they don't have anybody that they can actually truly open up to. You feel disconnected. You're you're alienated because that again, compassion being the binding force, we seek that deep human connection. We need it. We need it. And you can do that through the power of the mastermind journal, uh, like these guys are saying. Not it's really instant nice gratification. Idea. Not yeah. instant gratification. You have to work way. out. You work uh, work who, at who it. Who am I to say wrong? Whatever. But remember to have those big conversations with friends and loved ones. Don't be alone. It's okay. I think we're we're getting our minute. Okay, so I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. Sorry about the technical comments. difficulties. Yeah, the, the comments keep them coming. Really appreciate that. Show ideas, subject ideas. We're listening all the time. And again, we'll be posting more information on the power of the Mastermind Journal and where you can get it. And there's going to be some training sessions to to for those who want to get acclimated that that you can get involved in it over at Renaissance Unity and. 
um, that's that's it for me. All right. Happy yeah, birthday. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that.